everybody. Welcome to the Man Cave. It's the only podcast hosted by two best friends with absolutely nothing in common except their first names. I'm Andy Fabian, and today we have a very special guest, Mandy, joining me. Rory O'Mandy uh, is my co-host today. Uh, grab a couch. <laughs> Let's get to it. Cut this shit. You know why I'm so excited? Aside from the fact that you're very handsome and fun to look at, which is a big... I'm sorry, I harassed you like 10 seconds into the podcast, and I apologize. But listeners, honestly, if you could see the handsome, glowing <laughs> Broadway... Listen, Mandy, we know you like an Irishman. Oh, That's already been established. Oh, yes, no secret. <laughs> I mean, if you can do the accent, we should get there at some point. But it's top of the morning to oh, you. Oh my God, he did it. Oh, with a little, with just a little hint of Chicago in there too. I really. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> and everything. Um, and because Rory, you and I, we're not going to talk about it right away, but when we talk about it, you picked for me to watch this week, the rehearsal, <laughs> which is yeah. a show on HBO Max hosted by Nathan Fielder. Well, we're not going to talk about it yet. We're going to talk about other things first, but like I it was something that I've been dying to watch that Mandy would never watch. It would make her way too uncomfortable. Really? So, yes. Sure. So it was very exciting to have something assigned to me that like rang all the bells and, you know, how was your week? What did you, what have you been doing this week? Because what's going on in Rory O'Malley's life? I, I went to a friend's birthday party. I went to Josh Gad's birthday party, who's my oh. college roommate. You know, I knew him before Olaf. And, uh, uh, he, we went to a virtual reality, um, uh, escape room and it was so much oh fun. My God. I loved it. That is, I, I, it's, I was very scared at first. They said it was going to be really scary and I don't like haunted houses or anything, but it wasn't scary. Like things are jumping out at you. It was just like a lot of like blood and bones and it was like walking through, a nightmare, but it was enjoyable. <laughs> Wait, so when you say virtual reality escape room, does that mean you physically go someplace and put on a headset or it's something you did from home? No, you go to this place. Everyone is in their own little pod, in their own little cube, and you put on a headset and you, as a team of six people, walk through this uh virtual reality world and you have like little clues and, and things that you have to do. And we had to save this girl from uh, being sacrificed uh, by the oh. uh, occult. Uh, we, we didn't do it. I'm so sad to say uh, it was <laughs> not easy, uh, but, but, uh, but apparently we still won. Like, I don't understand. They were like, yeah, she died, but you guys won. So congratulations. <laughs> you lived. I was like, this feels terrible. Doesn't feel like winning if she died. No, it's a little. Uh, first, I had no idea that women were dying for escape rooms all all over the country. Yes. That's alarming. Um, but you're right. It's a very different kind of escape room. Wow. <laughs> you know, I love escape rooms. I do them for my birthday. Like they're I, the fantasy of it. I I love it. But it's the same thing where you you're like how. How is how? Why am I doing this to myself? Because I'm always the one who's like, you know, fi I get stuck on the last clue, and all you had to do was like pick it up and look at the bottom of the statue. 
Right. You know, and I'm trying to like figure out like, uh, am I getting, are we supposed to read the statue's mind? Is there some sort of cryptic? Are we reading the lines of the fabric? Is it making a word? And really you're just supposed to pick it up and look at the bottom. So, wow. That, so you can relate to the other players and stuff in virtual blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You talk to each other just like, uh, just like we're talking to each other now and you see them in the world with their name above their head. So it really kind of, you know, I, I loved it. I think some of the guys were uh, annoyed with it. Like it's, you know, like they wanted to be in a real (laughs) physical world where they're picking the the statue up and they're picking up the clues, but I thought it was so cool. It's very theatrical. So of course I loved it. Like, you know, the demon is in your face and screaming and, um, and it wasn't as scary as, as I thought it was going to be. Wow, that is that is a super fun, cool weekend. Maybe they gave him a win because it was his birthday. You know what I mean? Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Yeah, I think that's what it was. And he really helped us way more than a regular escape room. You know, you, they, you're like, press this button if you need a clue. The guy was like, oh, yeah, hey, hey, go, go over to that wall. Look at that wall. That's pretty interesting. Wouldn't you want to push on that wall and see if it opens? So, you know, I don't know. This girl, she had she didn't have a chance. She was gonna be <laughs> sacrificed no matter what. But at least we got out before the temple uh exploded. That was that was how we won. Oh my god, that's great. And you've done you've done you said you've done escape rooms before. So you're do you feel like you're particularly yes. good at them? Or are you like, oh no, I'm just eye candy? I have to do one thing. If I do if I get one clue in the group, I feel like, okay. I can relax and enjoy myself, but I, any kind of team sport, anything where there's a team, all I care about is if I'm going to disappoint everyone and let the group down. (laughs) I don't care about winning. I don't care about winning. I've never cared about winning anything. That's why I'm a terrible, I'm terrible at sports because I don't, I don't want to win. I just don't want to let anyone down. And that's not really a winning philosophy. (laughs) Um, So, you know, I, as I, I was really happy this weekend because one of the guys who does a lot of escape rooms was like, yeah, bro, I'd, I'd definitely pick you to be in my team next time. You were really good. And I was like, really? Like all these straight guys, I like started crying. Oh yeah. No, that's a win. I'm getting, (laughs) I'm getting choked up just hearing about that. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I I, uh, like found a sword and I put the sword in something and it opened a door and like, you know, you know, we'd, we'd all be dead if it wasn't for me. Holy shit. You did the, um, uh, oh, I can't think of what's the name of the legend of the guy that pulls the sword from the stone. What is it? Oh yeah. The sword in the stone, sir. King Arthur. Yeah. Stored in the stone. It was kind of like that, but you know, I'm seeing, I didn't become a king. Well, you kind of did though. I mean, you, you've been a king. I'm just saying. (laughs) Hey, been there, done that. Oh my God. I, I love, I love escape rooms and puzzles and stuff like that. I mean, I, I don't I yeah. don't know that I'm very good at them, but I I will say on one of Patrick's and my first dates, oh, it, we, a mutual friend of ours had a birthday, Marco Panette. You know Marco, right? Oh yes. yeah, of course. So and this is I had never met Marco and Steve, and it was Marco's birthday, and he was having a Stephen Sondheim themed scavenger hunt all over yes, the city of Los Angeles, and. 
God bless. It was so such a wonderful way to meet all those people, too, because, of course, you know, you're like, hi, I'm the new girl, you know, Uh, maybe I'll last. Who knows? And (laughs) and but it didn't even matter. There was that we had we had to solve the puzzles and we had to drive all over the city like mad people. And there was this one part where they actually had in a park. They had a guy dressed like the president up and with two Secret Service agents up in this field. And you had to go and like assassinate the president or save the president i can't remember which one it was but well it was having to do with assassins the musical i'm yes, sure exactly see you would have been we had i mean the whole first thing was like sharks versus jets in a park i mean it was incredible it was wow. the most fun birthday party i wish i had a time machine and you could travel back and do it with me because it was i would die oh, that. so much fun but i there i was like you know i mean i don't know any of these people i'm dressed in white linen pants because it's so hot and i am belly crawling like elbow crawling through the woods to try to get to this president and it was just a great way to make instant friendship because if you're the crazy lady yeah. crawling through the woods people are a little scared of you for the rest of the time they know you <laughs> Well, it's also, it's like, it's a great way to hang out with your friends because, you know, it's not like just talking about your day or talking about work. Yeah. And it feels like genuine play in a way that you haven't gotten to experience since you were a kid. You know, like there's just not that much. It's like an adult playground, literally. So it's so, it's so fun. And I loved it. I was really glad I got to do it. And uh, I think we're going to so, do more. So maybe you and I should do one oh, in the future. That oh, yes. We'll get the cast of the movie. Oh, <laughs> sorry. Did I mention yeah. the movie? Oh. Well, you know, this little <laughs> thing. I think it's, I mean, Roy, we've talked about this. I think it's maybe your, the, your favorite project of anything you've ever done, right? Like, Without a doubt. <laughs> Nothing comes close. Hey, I have a weird question, though. Just, I do want to go back. Oh, it's Just Plus None, by the way, guys. It's premiering at the BFI Festival, BFI Flair in London in March. So if you're in London, the, the Saturday night, March 25th show is sold out. But if you're there Wednesday, March 22nd, and you want to come see Just Plus None with Rory O'Malley, written and directed by me, uh, you know, come on, come on over. We would love to see you. Please come. I hope you. I hope you can see it. I, and Mandy, let me just say, I'm so proud of Aww. you. I am. You know this entire cast. Everyone involved is so thrilled that this is happening and that it's going to be premiering there. And it's a huge accomplishment. Aww. You are extraordinary. You were an amazing writer, phenomenal director, and it, it truly was one of the greatest experiences I've ever had professionally. We joke about it because somebody like, well, because. <laughs> The lead actress in it, Abby Miller, was kind of like, is this this is the most fun I've ever had or this is the best project I've ever been a part of? Don't you think it is the same for you, Rory? And I went, uh, uh-huh. And it was just because I've been in like plays for five years of my life. Like, it felt like I have to throw people under the bus, you know, like family members. But this truly was a phenomenal experience. I had the best time and we became a family and you can't say that about a lot of projects that you know you walk away from it wishing that you just had more and more time with, with that group of people it, it was it was a once in a lifetime experience and it's all because of you and you are wonderful oh. you're not just a wonderful <laughs> artist you're a wonderful leader you you really made it an, an amazing experience for everybody and uh, we're all proud to be a part of it and proud of you and and very excited for the premiere oh my god I just want to be very clear to everyone who's listening. I did not. This is not a paid promotion. I 
I don't even have Rory's Venmo. I think I barely paid you anything for the movie because it was a low budget movie. I mean, thank you. I so, <laughs> I so, so appreciate that. Thank you. But it was, it was really, we all got to go camping, you know, it was right after COVID. Yeah. None of us had even been in the same room with people for a long time. And then we formed these instant friendships. It was really, really fun. Yeah. Um, Thank you. I, I, we were teasing you because you've done, I don't know, global sensations of musicals, like the top two most amazing musicals of all time you have been a part of. <laughs> and so that, thank you. That's very sweet of you. But I do have a question. Um, you and Josh were college roommates and then were you in, you were in Book of Mormon at the same time, right? Was that yeah. because like, yeah. was that a weird coincidence that you guys ended up in that or? Yes. Oh my God. 100% coincidence. I mean, the only thing that I can say is that we were also in another Broadway show together oh. at the same time, uh, Spelling Bee, the 25th annual Putnam County Spelling Bee. We were replacements later on in the run after that opened. And so we were kind of like in the same group of actors in New York at that time. And so when they started putting together readings of this new musical about Mormons, we were kind of in that same pool. But when I showed up the first time they were, they were reading this out loud and it was top secret. They didn't even say what it was about. Oh. I had, all I knew was that it was like, uh, I was playing a Mormon. And so when Josh was there, I was like, what are you doing here? Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't, I'm here. Pasty white O'Malley, but what are you doing here? And he was, you know, like, I don't know. You know, it was like, we, it was top secret. We didn't know. And so we worked on it for about three years of readings and workshops and this, and you know, the, the musical got bigger and bigger and more and more material was written. And, uh, yeah, it was a total coincidence really. So we really been joined at the, the hip. And then when I did the next musical on Broadway, Hamilton, it was with my other college friend, Leslie Odom Jr. So I literally have never been, um, I've been in three Broadway shows and I've had a classmate from my college in all three. I don't like to stray far from my friends. Okay. Where did you go to college? <laughs> A Carnegie Mellon That's in Pittsburgh, nice. but it's really just Josh and Leslie. <laughs> wow. I love that. Hey, wait, Carnegie Mellon, is that like a, I don't know. Is it, is there a music, were you in a musical theater program or is it acting program or what was it both? I was, it, it is more of, it, it's like a, it, there's two divisions of it. There's an acting program and then there's like a musical theater portion of it for some of the actors. So Josh wasn't in that, but I was in it with Leslie uh, so we just had to like take voice lessons and, and dancing on top of all the acting classes. But yeah, it was oh. great. It was a good education. It was really hard, but good. And where did you, um, where did you learn your comedy chops? Like, I know you're naturally funny. Your mom is very funny, right? Isn't, doesn't your mom have a great sense yes. of humor? Yeah. She and does. So, yeah. So obviously, yeah, that, I mean, I think it was uh, from my family, but yeah, from my mom and her, you know, she's, she, she has this group of friends called the weekend warriors. You know, there's a bunch of Irish working class folks in, in Cleveland. And what they do is just like get together every weekend and tell stories and make each other laugh. You know, so I always oh. say like, I'm the most quiet person in my family. You know, I'm kind of like the wallflower when, when everybody gets together because they're huge personalities. They're so funny. And, uh, <laughs> I certainly learned a lot from them. And I also learned a lot from, um, 
the Troubadour Theater Company, when I first moved to Los Angeles right out of school, and I worked for them, they do a lot of Shakespeare shows with music in them. And uh, they're all clowns. Yes. And it's basically it was like another version of clowning that I got to learn. And uh, I give a lot of credit to that that theater company, um, Matt Walker and, and Beth Kennedy and, and a, a great group of of people yeah. for kind of just like getting me out of my conservatory. This is how you act on a stage mindset and just learn remembering to have fun and to get an audience to yeah. play. And uh, so, yeah, so I did that Very right cool. out of, of college and it, it gave me a lot. So uh, when you went and did training, when you did Book of Mormon, <clears throat> when you went back and did Book of Mormon, then were you already living in Los Angeles and you went back to New York for it? Yes, I moved to Los Angeles first oh. because nobody wanted to work with me in New York and nobody really wanted to work with me in Los Angeles <laughs> except for one manager. And she would have signed like a paperclip if, if she could, like she wanted to work with me. And so I just started working with her and learning what LA was like. And then, um, I kept thinking, you know, I really should go to New York. Like I keep doing theater out here in LA and ended up going to um, New York about three years after doing mostly theater in Los Angeles, which I love theater in Los Angeles, but like I wanted health insurance too. I, I did not know that. I thought you went right to, right to New York. I thought you had remained an East coast boy. No. Yeah. No, I worked for Gary Marshall actually oh. a lot. I didn't write it. was uh, Richie Cunningham and happy days, the musical for him. Oh my God. Amazing. Was there a musical little miss sunshine? Yes. Where, where was yeah. that? That was in New York, uh, off Broadway at Second Stage, and that was written by William Finn and directed uh, by James Lapine, and um, it was really, it was really great. I'm kind of surprised that it hasn't had more of a life since then. Like it's, it seems like a perfect show for a lot of community theaters to do, but it just didn't really yeah. take off. Oh, but it was really great. It was with Stephanie J. Block, who just won the Tony for playing Cher in the Cher show, and. Um, oh my God. And it was, uh, yeah, yeah, it was really fun. It was really great. It's one of my favorite, um, my favorite, uh, movies. So I, and I had no idea actually, cause I haven't, you know, I, I haven't been so super up on New York, <laughs> New York theater. Uh, but, uh, but I, I didn't know that they had made it into a musical. So that was really, uh, that was really fun. I just got really, uh, distracted because I forgot to turn off my, bluetooth on my phone and so excuse me during your story i got a phone call and i couldn't it was beeping in my oh. ear so i really apologize i didn't hear oh, it at that's all that's good i didn't know if all of a sudden like you know everyone was getting the inside scoop on how busy my social life really is you know um <laughs> no i didn't hear a thing um, i just saw all... you get uncomfortable and i thought wow i'm my story's failing i'm doing a terrible job now <laughs> I knew something was going on. I just didn't I know picked why. up my phone to text Mandy and be like, hurry home, sweetheart. It doesn't matter that we disagree this on is everything. Not- this is <laughs> I help. sometimes you stray um, to know that you are happy at home. Um I anyway, I but you know what we should we should actually talk about speaking of rehearsing for Broadway shows. You like that segue? We should talk about the rehearsal. Mm. I am so yes. excited. Okay. So um, this is a show, I guess you would call it a reality show. It is, it's a, I would definitely call it like a meta show by the comic Nathan Fielder. Fielder, right? 
that's his name. Um, yeah. And it's on HBO. And Pete, Pete, why don't you, if you wouldn't mind, please, playing the trailer for us. I've been told my personality can make people uncomfortable. Hey, how to make love all night. Oh, well, you know. I think we're going to get along pretty well. (laughs) But I've learned that if you plan for every variable, a happy outcome doesn't have to be left to chance. This conversation's going pretty well. Yes. So that's no accident. Everything that's happened today, (laughs) I've rehearsed it. Hey, hi, Nathan. Dozens of times. In a replica of your home. This is what we can do for you. You and you. You know, just off the top of my head, I would say, sure, let's go with it. This is going to be fun. It will be. My goal is for your rehearsal to reflect reality. The government has Sasquatch liaisons. I love you, Daddy. With this show, if your performance isn't accurate, you could ruin someone's life. This is all sort of absurd. Keep them crying. Don't let up. Okay. I've got to tell you something. I don't want to talk to you again. Do you find it's been healthy for you here? Mm. Are you sure you want to do this? I don't really like lying to people. You're a liar. Yeah, neither do I. You're Willy Wonka and I'm Charlie Buckets. I'm the bad guy. In well, life. but he's a dream maker. Okay. And you're doing, you're making some dreams happen but for me. But kids died in the factory? Well, they supposedly died. I'd... I'll, I'll read the book again just to, to, to look into it. Yeah. This show was a weird little discovery. I love shows like this because we were at a party and somebody was like, have you... Have you seen the rehearsal? Have, have you seen the rehearsal? And we'd heard it from enough people that were like, we got to get in on this. So, oh my God. Yeah. yeah. I loved it from the first minute. I, I, and yeah. it, it got weirder and more wonderful. Did you, did you get to watch more than the first episode? Did you watch the whole season? Oh, yeah. I've watched the whole season. Yeah. I've actually watched the first episode three <gasps> times because I keep getting people to sit down and watch it, and I want to watch them watch it. <laughs> oh my God, Rory, that's amazing. So what was it? How did you find out about it, and what did you love about it? Well, you know, I'm just kind of one of those people that like when HBO puts something up, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm going to give it more of a chance because I trust the brand. But nice. I knew that he was funny and I I had seen Nathan for you his show before. Uh, okay. But was I wasn't like I obsessed never that. with that show. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh. No, it's it's great. It's just a little it's was for Comedy Central and it's a little more trying to push people uh it's a little more uncomfortable, believe it or not, just because wow. it's kind of like shocking. To, to people like the first episode is him trying to make it's him trying to make businesses better kind of like you know those those restaurant shows where somebody comes in okay. and tries to fix their restaurant and so he's okay. coming in and fixing businesses and like the first one was a frozen yogurt place and okay. he said you need to make a poo flavor okay and people will like start talking about okay it. so it's a little more he, like he's not just like a um uh a real sort of spectrumy guy. He's he, his brand of no. comedy is to act like he doesn't know what he's saying and on purpose say things that are going to be evocative. Is yes. that right? 
Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. He is giving a performance. He is giving a very good performance so that if you don't know, like he is completely a comedian trying to put together this scenario to get the most comedy out of it, because that's, that's what is kind of great about the show is that you he never is it, there's no like um but on bum ching like he just is slowly yeah. explaining what he's done in this way that makes <laughs> your jaw drop further and further and further yeah. and i don't know how much we should how much you oh, explain God. in in this podcast like you know what say yes what? people expect spoilers and i think i think even if you explain what happens in the first episode and it kind of actually you can't believe it, it explains it in the trailer. <laughs> but yeah, exactly. Even if you explain it, yeah. you really have to see it to understand it. Like you said, you watched it three times because you're always going to get something. And it's still kind of surprising the way that he and I think the show has a real heart to it. Like it is not just for shock value at all. There is something really um, human about it. And he's really trying to get to the authenticity. He picks people who, in my view, are really authentic. He picks people that sort of can't help but be exactly who they are. Right. Yeah. Oh, for sure. No, but like. And we should kind of say, if you haven't seen it, that he is picking people uh, like in this first episode, there's a man who wants to tell his group of friends in his uh, trivia club that he actually doesn't have a master's degree, that he let them believe that years before and he's embarrassed yep. to tell them the truth. So the entire episode is uh, him practicing in a rehearsal of how to tell one of the members of his trivia group the truth. And you would think, wow, that doesn't sound like a show. It sounds like, you know, <laughs> right. a conversation. But Nathan, the, the host of the show, goes into insane detail to recreate oh. or not recreate, to pre-create the scenario yes. for what it would be yeah. to tell their friend the truth. Mm -hmm. So much he so that they build an entire set of the place where he wants to meet. Yeah, to so they, I mean, that's the thing that's so weird is they create the set and then you go further into the episode and you, like, I actually, I don't remember when it gets revealed, but you find out that he not only created this set where the guy's going to practice his rehearsal with his friend, he's created a set of the guy's apartment and hired an actor to play the guy so that when he goes to meet the guy, he can re rehearse that conversation of asking him to join the rehearsal of his friends. It's crazy. It's a rabbit hole. It's a rabbit hole. The entire show is just going down a rabbit hole. How absolutely meticulous could you be with rehearsing your life to make sure that you do it mm -hmm. properly? It's insane. And it's kind of like somebody who has, has control issues dream come true. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Did you have any of that? Like when you were watching it, were you like, oh my God, if I could only rehearse this moment or that moment? I, as a, as a stage actor, especially you rehearse so much, you take so much time to get a scene, right? So I love that feeling when you get into the flow of like how a scene goes, it's so different from TV or film where it's like, you know, you do it three times and you know, you want it to be spontaneous where I, I've done plays thousands of times. I did yeah. Book of Mormon 800 times. I did Hamilton a thousand times. 
you constantly are trying to find ways to make it fresh and new and find things. So I loved that this was in real life trying to find a way to make a situation uh, better and to be prepared yeah. for it. And I love rehearsing. Rehearsing is great. <laughs> <laughs> I, I saw, I, maybe I have, do have some control issues. It was such an interesting thing because, you know, honestly, you know, and Mandy, we talked about the show a little bit and her takeaway initially was that for her, she thought that he was making fun of these people. And he, as a comedian, he obviously, he does say things. He pushes the envelope a little bit. He, he picks up the guy's book and says like, oh, how to make love to a woman all night. Like there is a, there are things you go like, ah, if you hadn't said that, maybe that wouldn't have been shocking or embarrassing. But I don't think he has any malice. Like what I love about his his efforts is, you know, he's trying to get people to just get to the truth of their situation to kind of get past their own fears and insecurities. So he goes kind of right into that and 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 helps people try out different different scenarios so they can sort of pre-have all of their fears, insecurities, doubts, and disappointments before they ever get to the conversation so they're prepared for anything that comes. And to me, I'm like, well, that's just genius because you're not going to be able to avoid, you're not going to be able to avoid what is going to happen, but sort of being prepared for what can happen is just, it's beautiful. Like, and, and, and I thought that these people actually had breakthroughs, like beautiful kind of human breakthroughs it, um, for at least the first two episodes, right? Yes, absolutely. It's, it's funny, but it's also like, it's just beautiful how I wasn't even sure that that could happen. Both times in the first episode and then in the second episode, there's another guy who um, has to talk to his brother about how he's handling the the will, right? The, the, the estate of their, is it their, I can't remember if it's his father or mother or their parents died or grandfather. grandfather. Okay. And the brothers I, being, I think it's the grandfather. Yeah. Yeah. And the brothers being a little funky about it, or at least that's the guy's perception. And all he wants to do is have an honest conversation about how, well, at, at, at first he thinks he's having a conversation about the will and the money. And as they go through this rehearsal multiple times, this guy has a total breakthrough of, like, I love you. You're my brother. I don't want to lose you. Like, this is dumb. Can't we just be fair? Can't we just be brothers and love each other? It's gorgeous. And he says all these things that he never would have said. It would have taken him rehearsing it a hundred times to get to that point where he would be that open and that vulnerable. And I, I right. thought, I thought it was just exquisite. I totally, I, I agree. I totally agree. And I think that the, the thing is, and to be the devil's advocate, it, probably what Mandy, the other Mandy would say right now, is it's very manipulative. It is very, very manipulative because what you didn't say was that they set up a scenario, which is, I, it's such a like convoluted scenario to this guy who has lost his grandfather and is having trouble talking to his brother about getting the money because his brother thinks that his girlfriend is a gold digger. So he doesn't want to give him the money. So he wants to confront his brother and the actor playing his brother in the rehearsal says, 
like, oh, you should meet, you want to meet my grandfather. He needs help doing something. And so this guy thinks it's real and goes to help this grandfather and goes in the woods and digs up some gold. And the grandfather says like, oh, you're so great. I want to give you some of this gold one day uh, because my grandson doesn't really deserve it or whatever. And he's like, oh, this guy's so nice. He's like, oh, thank you. Thanks. You know, and then they say that the grandfather dies the next day. And they also made this guy wipe his ass. <laughs> and I, I don't know. Like, I, I, you're li if you haven't watched this show, you're literally like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? But that is a, that's like another level of manipulation that I can't even, yeah, you're right. I can't believe actually happened. So the whole time you're watching, you're like, wait a minute, is this real? Am I watching something real? But I, you're right. This guy's reaction, what, what happens is he comes back to the rehearsal. They say that that, that grandfather died. His reaction isn't really about his grandfather. It's about something that he thinks is real, that this person just died yeah. and that the actor says, you know, and so it's basically an acting exercise. It's basically yeah. making a sense memory in real time. So it's like this, Nathan is basically the most manipulative acting teacher that ever <laughs> existed. <laughs> and it's like, you know, no matter what happens, it's just about getting the performance. Well, he gets it from this guy and it's, it is, you're right. It is a breakthrough. It's amazing. But it's also telling that the guy never calls Nathan again. It never, he walks away from it and he, he just like yeah. ghosts Nathan and doesn't do the, the confrontation with his actual brother, maybe because he doesn't need to, maybe because he's actually practiced it. Yeah. But there's, yeah, that's true. There's, it, it's, it's all for the art. It, it is all about like, <laughs> it is beautiful that he has that breakthrough, but I think a lot of people would say it's totally <laughs> unethical. Well, it is. I, but you know, it's interesting. <laughs> I, yes. Okay. So then in the third episode, they have this masterful, I mean, the effort that they put into creating these false realities for people to have rehearsals of things, yes. right? In the third episode, there's a woman who wants to experience having a child and, you know, she doesn't have a partner. She is very born again, Christian. And they set up her dream scenario of like a little farmhouse in Oregon with land and a little garden. And they give her a baby, but then they have a baby. They have a fake baby overnight because they can't have a real baby actor. And they have kid actors come in and they have the, it go from a baby to like 12 years old in, the, in a short span of time by switching out. Like the kid will go in the room as a three-year-old and come out as a six-year-old. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's madness. It's total, total madness. And the whole time you're watching it, like... Should we call the authorities? What, <laughs> what are, what am I watching? Is this okay? And they don't really, they, you, you feel reassured because they're like, you know, slowly, you know, revealing that these are different kids and you know, that, you know, yeah. they have a time limit. And, but the kids are so good because they're, they're buying into it immediately. They're like playing as if this is mom and dad. But I, I love that one because as a parent and as a parent of a toddler, like you think, oh boy, I wish I could have at least had, you know, you, that's basically just like babysitting, like go babysit for somebody who has kids and you're going to get a good dose of what it is, but you're not going to do the overnight 
you're not going to do the nitty gritty of like sleep deprivation for weeks at a time. And so I think that that is very useful, but this woman, she really doesn't have any interest in, uh, <laughs> in playing along. And she seems very bothered by the kids. <laughs> you know? I don't want to judge her based on this experience alone. I don't know her, but I don't, I don't know that having children is something that she really wants to do. Well, you know, here's what I will say. I, you know, I think I'm a pretty good mother. Uh, You're a wonderful well, thank mother. you. Uh, fishing for that one. Um, no, but, but I will say before I had kids, I was not interested in other people's kids. Like I liked kids yeah. and I thought it was fun to play with them for a minute. But like when we went to a party, I would go to the, whatever pet was at the party and Patrick would go to the children. And I, 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 I like, I liked playing with the kids, but like I had a friend who one time was like, Hey, you know, Sadie has a recital recital tomorrow. Do you want to go? And I was like, Oh dear God, no. Like it came out of my <laughs> mouth before I could even, I was like, why would I want to go to your children? Now, now I go to those recitals <gasps> gladly. So I love watching kids. I, they bring me so much joy, but I think it's because I have kids and it, there's a nostalgia and, you know, and I can appreciate it now. But of course. Before, okay. Yeah. But yes, Mandy, of course. I totally understand what you're saying. And it, when you, ha when it's your child, it feels so different. I think about that all the time because I liked being with kids, but I'm like, my God, the hours and hours that I've been playing with this train set with this kid, if it wasn't my child, I would literally be like, I got to get out of here. This is insane. This is driving me crazy if I have to watch one more episode of Louie with this four-year-old. So yes, that is love. That's, that's, that's a special bond. But this woman signed up to be in an experiment, a rehearsal. And it's like, cameras are on. <laughs> and she could not care less about these kids. She really couldn't. And, and I've never, I'm just saying, like, if you signed up, for something and you said this is your dream to have kids like she's not you she's somebody who says it's her dream to have kids she wants to have, you know this is exactly what she wants and she's very particular about certain things but she just is kind of like ew i yeah. don't want to have to watch them or you know like be bothered she seems oh, you know that's the thing about that you're right no she does because i think there's and you that's when you sort of at watching the show you you back out of this and you go oh, like why isn't she getting into this? And you go, well, you're backing out of it going, well, because this is all fake. Like, and, and there's a part right. of you that goes, how can you, like, if you're an actor and you are pretending to do something that you really love or want to do, or you're in a scene, you're committed to the character, you're going to give over to that. But as a human being, when right. the thing that you're supposed to play at is supposed to be your dream, like, you know, she's not an actor. I don't think I don't, I, maybe she is. But, you know, also it's just like, well, how am I supposed to pretend to have a husband or partner? Because because Nathan steps in and uh, like, co-parents the kid with her. And, yeah. and it's, you know, it's all, none of it is real. Like none of the things that would actually happen with your actual kid or an actual partner. You know, he, they try to create those scenarios, but those things require you know, they require something that's so intimate. How could you, you, it's like, you just can't, Yeah, I don't think you can achieve it. No, no, you can't, you can't. That's the thing. You know, there's some things that you can't rehearse for, even when you have yeah. everything at your disposal to, to create it. And you just can't rehearse being a parent. 
Yeah. You can't, I can't, I can't now, even in, even in this house, I'm like, I have a four-year-old. I can't rehearse for the five-year-old that he's going to be next year. Cause it changes so quickly. It's like, yeah. you know, once you figure out a schedule or a way to do it and be a good parent, they change, they grow and you have to like throw some things out and just kind of go with it. Yeah. It's like, I remember when we were making the movie, I just plus none. No, I'm kidding. Um, just when we were plus making none. the movie, I was, I was like, oh my God, this is, you know, this is the most amazing thing I've ever done. And I hope I get to do it again. And this is the hardest thing I've ever done. And maybe I'll never have to do it again. You're like it was both things were, were kind of true it, in that like it, it, see, everybody wants to make a movie, at least in this town. And, uh, the, but the reality of making a movie is it is so hard. And it is so vulnerable and there's so much work. So it's kind of, it's got a little bit of both. And I think a parenting is the same way, right? Where you're like, of course, I want the dream of like, oh, I have my spouse and I have my child and like, oh, we're going to be a family. We're going to take pictures and like, we, but the reality of that is like, oh my God, do you have to have the heat on at 78 degrees all the time? And like, you know, and, and like, uh, who's going to go get the kid? Because I've made lunches four times this week and, you know, it's a, yeah. And no, I, you know, it's so funny that you relate it to the business because I do that all the time. And my non, uh, actor, husband so appreciates that when I say that being a parent is like being an actor. He just thinks that's so lovely. No, but it's <laughs> it's true in the sense that it's like if you tell people who are, I, I've talked to other actors who don't have kids who are thinking about it. And I go, it is just like your love for what you do, like your inspiration as, a, as an actor. Yes, it is so worth it. It is so wonderful, but it's so hard, right? You want you know, like everyone <laughs> would say, this is so hard to do this, but I love it. And I want to do anything else. It is like that times a million because you, you, yeah. I've never done anything harder than being a parent. Never, ever, ever done anything harder than being a parent. But my God, when I put that yeah. kid to bed, and he says, you know, he loves me and he doesn't say, I hate you, daddy, go away. <laughs> you know what he says? <laughs> I love you. When he get, when he wants to be, have a, you know, a third book read to him, I realize like life does not get better than that. Life, yeah. there's nothing that is ever going to come close to it, you know, of, of no, no professional accomplishment, nothing. And so, yeah, it's really fucking hard and it's really fucking worth it, you know, yeah. but you can't. You can't rehearse. That's the only thing that really like, it's such a huge ask to rehearse that scenario. These things where it's like conversations that are difficult. Yeah, I loved those. The The rehearsal of like a house of, of parenting for the first, you know, 12 years, that doesn't really work out. And I don't know if you saw the end, the last oh, episode. I did. Yes, yes. Yeah. It's, that was that was rough. You know, one of the kids just really got attached to Nathan as a dad yeah. because he didn't have a dad at home. And yeah. I grew up in a single mother household and and really was like, yeah, that this is a lot. You know, like I think you can watch this show and say, I don't think they should be doing this and be and yeah, be that you might be right. There's I, yeah. certain parts of it where I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if this is the right thing to be doing. I I agree with that. I it did <laughs> towards the end it got really cringy, 
but like it, as so yeah. as a show and as a as a sort of theatrical experiment and as a mind experiment, it's it's fascinating and well done because I oh, yeah. could not stop watching it. Right, but you're right in terms of, and I hope that's why I was asking you about Nathan Fielder and whether he was like a a comic who's trying to incite something or whether he's just genuinely kind of off, um, and. It, the manipulation part, like, especially when he was, uh, you know, playing doctor with the kid and there was the poo and the farts and stuff. And I was like, did he put mm-hmm. that? Like, there's things you go like, I feel like they're pushing this in a certain direction to get a response. And while that is, that's comedy, right? Like, that's what comedians have been doing for years. There, there's, there was something I was like, oh, God, that took a darker turn than I thought. Um <laughs> Yeah. yeah. No, I think it, I think it's both things are true for him. I think that he is a very smart comedian uh, who also is a little off for sure. I mean, yeah, to be pretty off to be a comedian in the first place, but also like to do this kind of comedy for sure. Uh, it's 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 like it's very experimental, right? And I think that sometimes it crosses the line, yeah. and sometimes it 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 doesn't. I have to say though, before we. Stop talking about it. My favorite episode is the one with the acting class to be actors in his show. And he has the one actor who's kind of like, I don't feel comfortable with this and I don't like it. And to to kind of get in that guy's shoes and to remember to kind of see what he's going through. He does a reenactment of the class <laughs> on his own and pretends to be that guy. I mean, it's, it's hard to even describe. Like if you haven't watched the show, you're listening to me. You're like, what are you talking about? But you, the, the show is so meticulous and how far it will go to rehearse something. And I think that concept alone, it makes it brilliant. You know, sometimes it kind of crosses the line, I think. Uh, But I think that it's pretty brilliant. And, you know, in this world where we're watching so many things that are the same, you know, like here's another zombie show. I'm, I'm really appreciative that this is something that's very different and trying, even when it fails or crosses the line. Yeah, I agree 100%. By the way, there's a lot of reality shows that cross the line, and they always had the option to not include those cringy sort of mistakes that come from, you know, they they actually had the option to not include that stuff, and they chose, they chose to. So there's an interesting sort yes. of, I think these days it's always... For for this is true for individuals or for shows like look uh, especially with things that deal with real human experiences it's like it's not perfect <laughs> there's good right. and bad and things right uh, but I agree I agree as a concept it's brilliant would you be interested in giving it manned jobs now you know one to five five being the top how many manned jobs would you give the rehearsal I would give. The man job. I would, yeah, you I would, would give the rehearsal. Yeah, I would. <laughs> Anyone who's Alfred. Um, I would give it three and three quarter okay. man jobs. I honestly, I, I, this is, it's weird because I've watched, I've watched the first episode three times. Okay. I've, I've made people. So like, I, I think it is brilliant in so many ways, but I wouldn't say that it's, completely successful like i think that the show itself like you were saying doesn't think that it's completely successful it was showing its cracks and saying like we aren't yeah it kind of goes into this place where it's like i don't know if this is working 
I don't know if we're doing, you know, a good job or should we even be doing this? It kind of like says that. And that's what the show is. So I think that it is uh, very, very intriguing and not always successful. I like that you gave quarter man jobs. We've never done that before. So I am going to give it four and a quarter man job. It's great. It's a new trend. Um, no, because uh, I was so intrigued by it. Like it was very cringy. Uh, and usually I'm not into cringy. I'm definitely not into reality, but for the artistic sort of meta verse that he creates of the rehearsal and then the rehearsal of that rehearsal and the rehearsal of that. But also I, uh, love truth telling in art. I love it. I know there's a lot of lying in this, so there's a lot of manipulation, but I feel like some of that manipulation gets to the truth of things that are uncomfortable truths that that you know you could have scripted an uncomfortable truth like that um but to have it be sort of in this real setting i thought i'm always a fan of that and so uh <laughs> cringy as it was i give it four and a quarter and these you know these man jobs are very important like right now people all over the world are subscribing to hbo based on what we just said about our man jobs so i know i, mean, I know, you know Congratulations and look out is what I'm saying. <laughs> All right. Um, okay, so real quick, I'm just going to let the people know. Hey, everybody, this is not a rehearsal. Manned Cave is a production of True Story FM. Music by Ian Post. Engineering by Pete Wright. Thank you, guys. Oh, Pete, this is going to be a challenge, this one. And uh, hey, if you guys want to join us, uh, talk to Mandy Kaplan and I uh, on Discord. She will be on Discord this week. Uh, Mandcave.com slash Discord. If you want to become a fandy of our show, we are membership supported and we just love to hear from you. And it's uh, $5 a month. It's, you know, it's a fantastic, uh, uh, like it's a bargain is what I'm going to say. Uh, it's for less than a cup of coffee if you go to the fancy coffee shops. So uh, $5 a month, you can become a fandy, mancave.com slash fandy. We've got a uh, really fun merch at mancave.com slash merch, uh, t-shirts and coffee mugs. And the most importantly, please, if you are listening any, uh, on your podcast and you're enjoying this, please, uh, you know, put down your phone or pick up your phone right now and go to uh, Apple Podcasts and give us a review, stars, w whatever you like. We'd love to hear from you and we appreciate it. It really helps because as we all know, nobody wants to do anything unless someone else said it was good first. So that being said, spread the word, make us feel popular and we appreciate everybody listening. Thank you so much. Um, Okay. All right. That's the business. Now, Rory, we're going to play a game. And this is... All right. Oh, yeah. This is really fun. So today's game, of course, like the rehearsal, you know, I what I really wanted to do was like rehearse the duet with you. But since the Zoom's being a little glitchy and I'm only a slightly good singer. I'm not, I'm only a slightly less of a singer than you are. Uh, I figured that we would spare. You are, you are, you are a wonderful Ooh. singer and a wonderful musician. Jesus. If you don't stop, I'm going to fire that bitch. I mean, I, this is going to be <laughs> the O man's cave. <laughs> That's amazing. Thank you. Uh, uh. But no, so, but I thought a really, really fun game what would be really, really fun to rehearse, and I've done this before, and I'm sure you as an actor have done this, <laughs> is we are going to rehearse 
whatever your big dream is, whether it's, you know, winning a Tony or winning an Oscar or whether it's just getting through, uh, you know, kindergarten with your toddler, but you are going to be on a talk show, Rory O'Malley, and we're going to do your talk show interview on, and you get to pick the talk show host of your choice, but I'm going to be Nathan Fielder pretending to be that talk show host. So I'm Mandy Fabian pretending okay. to be Nathan Fielder pretending to be the talk show host. Uh, so do you, do you have okay. a particular, is there a couch that you've been dying to be on? Uh, can we go back in time? Yes, absolutely. Then we will be on the Rosie O'Donnell <gasps> show circa 1998. Oh. And uh, I just opened a new Broadway show. Oh God, I love it. Okay, great. And what's the name of the Broadway show? Do we get to name it? Uh, let's call it When Irish Eyes Are Smiling. <laughs> oh, hell yes. That's what it would need to be called if I'm the lead, right? Oh my God, I love it. Okay, so many things. First of all, did you know I was the voice of the Rosie O'Donnell show and I did all of her promos? Did you know that, Rory? What? This week on the Rosie O'Donnell show, Flying Squirrels and <laughs> Mila Kunis. I swear to God, I did all of her promotions. So I've met Rosie. You can't hear it right now, but my jaw <laughs> is on the ground. I love her so much. Huge fan. I know the show very well. This is going to go great. I don't even have to be Nathan Fielder. Um, I love her. Actually, <laughs> I love her so much because A, they had hired a man to do my job and she said, no, thank you. I want to hear women. And so it was, a, it was, a, I'm here, I go into a story, but it was Mother's Day weekend. It was like five o'clock on a Friday. My mom was in town visiting and I, my agent was like, uh, they're hearing people for the Rosie O'Donnell show. You don't have to go. It's not real. They have a guy. They're just doing this to satisfy Rosie, but they've already hired a guy. And I was, she's like, but if you want to go, you can go. And I told my mom, I was like, I should go. Right. And I go do the audition. Cause it's nothing. Cause I'm not going to get it. And then it was down to me and another girl and the other girl, Rosie was like, asked our names and the other girl had done a movie with her. And Rosie's like, I don't like her. Pick the other one. <laughs> Oh, yes. My God. So I got to do her promotion for like, I don't remember how many years I did it. Probably four. I did it four years or something. <sighs> I know. Oh, my God. Best job. You don't understand. I would race oh home from school to watch. I was obsessed. It truly was like a part of my my the formation of my dream because I grew up in Cleveland. You know, you didn't see Broadway people coming through and there wasn't like a ton of of access to it other than like the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, right? So Rosie was always having these New York people on and it just felt like a party. It was my first like glimpse into that New York Broadway world and oh I, my God. I love that show. Mandy, I <laughs> now I just want to talk about that for All an right. hour. That's the next episode, <laughs> we're just going to talk about the Rosie O'Donnell show. <laughs> you know what? I kind of, I kind of want to ditch the game too. I'm like, we've been, we've been. Th th I don't even know how to top that. But no, I'm going. To, uh, let's just do a really quick. We'll do a quick like. Okay. I'm going to be Rosie O'Donnell, and you're Ro Rory O'Malley. Okay. And we'll say, uh, okay. next up on the Rosie O'Donnell show, we have Mr. Rory O'Malley coming to join us, the star of Irish Eyes Are Smiling, a ten. Tony Award winning sensation. Rory, why don't you come on the show and join us? 
Oh, thanks for having me, Rosie. I'm just, okay. you know, where else should I be promoting the show other than an O'Donnell and O'Malley together? It's oh wonderful, isn't it? You are oh wonderful. Yeah. Let me tell you something. I'm a huge fan. Now, you were also, uh, you won the Tony for Best Actor. Oh, yeah. That was great. And your solo, Irish Eyes Are Smiling. And then also the sequel, Irish Eyes Are Still Smiling. My God, you're a sensation. <laughs> what are you... I'm smiling so much in my eyes, they're exhausted. <laughs> now, isn't it true? You got married in a Broadway theater. Is that true? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Tell, can, can you tell Can you tell me about that? I, I, I wish I was there, but I don't remember getting invited. So... <laughs> You you were we 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 wanted you to officiate Rosie. My God, um, you were busy. Uh, yeah, no, I I we actually we got married at um, the Edison Ballroom, which isn't a, a Broadway theater. It's right in, it's in between a bunch of Broadway theaters, and we had the cast of the Book of Mormon perform on the <gasps> stage of the ballroom. And uh, they sang, uh, God only knows what I'd be without you from the Beach Boys, that transition oh. to Beyonce's love on top. Because of course it was a gay wedding and it was, oh. it was fantastic. It was just beautiful. So everyone who came from the Midwest, uh, from Cleveland, my family and my husband's family from Indianapolis, they all felt like they were at a Broadway show. They, it was, oh. it was, Incredible. Oh my God, that's amazing. Uh, does it ever uh, bother you? I mean, do you think you're going to have any trouble with uh, Gerald that you're, you know, so famous now? Like, and, and uh, is there anything that, yeah. um, you know, has it changed you being a multi Tony award winning sensation? Oh yeah, no, I'm a total jerk now, but you know, I feel like I've earned it. You have, you have. That's what we were. We heard backstage. My producers all said, "What a, what a jerk! What a, what a horrible person!" Yeah. But that's what we have yeah. to do, you know. Mm. <laughs> once you, once you get that, you know, yeah, that's what I worked so hard for all these years. It's just the the ability to be a total asshole to everyone. <laughs> hey, congratulations! <laughs> oh my God, that makes me uncomfortable even just doing the. Oh, Jesus. I'm a terrible Rosie O'Donnell and Nathan Fielder. You know, it's funny, like, I I really like how I would be terrible at, at inter interviewing people because I want to ask, you know, really inside. I mean, I get I, I don't know how Nathan does it <laughs> or Rosie. Well, he, um, I think that like you can really tell the difference between like Nathan is a good he is a good actor, but he's really committed but you can, it's what I love about this show. And now that we're bringing up the show again, this is why I want to talk about it. Cause I need to talk about it for a long time with, with people, but the, the <laughs> people who are actors and the people who are participants, like seeing the, the way that they react and being like, this person's acting, this person isn't acting. It's like, isn't the goal of us as actors to not be able to tell which person is which, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. Like it's, it's a really good experiment. And that's why that one episode with the actors, they like get so into it. They're like, yeah, let's deep dive. Let's really go. And I know that's why part of the reason why I, I love the show, but yes, you were, you were well, wonderful, and I think, Rosie. Listen, I think there might be people listening going, oh my God, is she doing podcasts now? Is she doing another? Did she? I mean, I, I feel like it felt, that felt pretty, pretty spot on. Um, 
Mm-hmm. Rory, I, I thank you so much for coming and doing this. We've been talking for a long time, so I'm going to I'm gonna let you go. And and please, you know, I don't know how long Mandy's going to vacation. You know, she's very, she's very spendy and uh, she likes, I, she's unpredictable and, you know, she's a party girl. So I like, I may not hear from her for weeks. Wow. And uh, I hope that you, if that happens, I hope that you will come back and join me again inside, deep inside Listen, the man cave. Yeah. Anytime you need me to come visit, <laughs> I'm I'm available. I'm ready. <laughs> Don't forget about me. I will never. I could never. Thank you so much. And um, I won't be seeing you next week, but uh, thank you for doing this. And uh, Fandies, if you want to get send messages to Rory on the Discord, please do reach out and we'll send those messages along. And um, Amazing. Yay! This was the best one. Don't tell me. Everyone, yeah.